friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network podcast. My name is Lauren Culp. I'm the publisher and CEO at CUinsight.com. And it's my job on this show to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community. We get to identify those issues that affect credit unions and together have a discussion on the best practices that exist so that we can all learn from one another and improve our credit unions together. My guest on today's show, I'm really excited about this conversation. My guest is Brian Keefe, the pre-sales consultant at Nice Actimize. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Lauren, thank you very much for having me. Excited for our conversation. Me too. Most of us did not grow up. I always like to start off this way. Most of us did not grow up thinking we'd get to work with credit unions in, in our career. And I don't know about you, but I didn't even know what they were until I was in my 20s. But I'm curious, what did you want to be growing up? That's a very good question. I have three kids that are going to the same thing now with college and high school, trying to figure out what they want to do for the rest of their lives. And I started off with an law enforcement family. My grandfather was a cop and a lot of friends. So I kind of resonated towards the law enforcement area and just made my way through there. Had some great mentors. So I think that really pigeonholed me into the law enforcement career, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be local, state, or federal, international. So I think. In high school, I had that sort of path, which I know a lot of kids now don't, just feeling out different areas. But I think I had a great feel and a great drive to, to be in the law enforcement community. Wow, that, that's so unique from what I've heard from a lot of folks working in financial services. And so what was the journey like then to your current role as the pre-sales consultant at Nice Actimize? It was a long run, I'll tell you. Long <laughs> and arduous and sometimes painful, but I... In high school, I had great mentors leading me towards this law enforcement path, keeping myself on the straight and narrow. Got into college, went in there and did criminal justice as well as math and computer science, as you can believe, crossing over for, from the law enforcement side. Had some great mentors there, people within the federal community. Did some internships with some federal agencies. I decided at that point it was the federal side I wanted. So I went to the marshals with DEA. So that really opened my eyes. I then transitioned into what I started off with my career with DEA, the Boston office as an admin. So just like anybody else, you work your way up from say the mailroom to uh, the upper echelon within an agency. And I thought that was the best way to really get a feel for it and put my eyes on what agents do and supervisors do and other people within that community. So did the admin role for a little while, graduated from college, and transitioned to testing and training and ended up being a DEA agent for a little over 15 years, both on the East and the West Coast. So I think that path in itself brought me into the financial world where there's a lot of investigations of most of now. There's two paths, the drug side and the financial side. So you want to follow the money, it's probably going to lead you to the main player. So that's where my financial interest came in. And from my experience with DEA and my training, I thought, hey, we love seeing the, the drug dealers bring money into the banks. What happens in the banks? How do they go about detecting or what education do they need in order to be able to recognize that sort of nefarious activity? So I got a great opportunity with the big bank in New York City to do just that. I was in the global financial crimes group. And it really opened my eyes to the investigative world where it's not just outside of the bank coming in. Now it's understanding what the banks do to curb or to identify those sort of suspicious activities. 
And from there, it just transitioned me into utilizing certain platforms and solutions to detect uh, fraud and AML risks. And I really wanted to bring that education again from both the DEA and the financial market into the software world to, to make sure not just the large banks such as the JP Morgan's, Morgan Stanley's and others, but those that may need it as well as those larger banks. Like we're talking about today, the credit unions and smaller banks that have the same sort of risks, but they may not have the resources to curb those risks. So I think that was my, my drive to where I am today. Well, what a unique story and a unique background, but it's it's so great to hear, I think, the ways that you've brought all of that to play then here for the credit union audience. And you make such a good point. You know, credit unions have the exact same requirements in terms of combating fraud and protecting their members' assets and all of that. But a lot typically will have smaller budgets than some of the big banks. And so for a nice Actimize, I'm curious, what's that elevator pitch that you're giving folks about where you really can add that value for credit unions? That's a great question. I think it changes as we develop new products and materials and, and solutions to aid those financial institutions that, that need this sort of uh, platform. I think the biggest thing for us is nice Actimize has been around for 20 plus years as a provider of solutions, AML and fraud solutions to the enterprise world. We then, we bring that technology down to the mid-level and smaller banks without giving up any, any resources or certain things that they, they may have at the enterprise side that you need at the, at the smaller bank side. So we bring, we're a cloud-based solution for low cost, quick deployment, very configurable by the user, not by, say, nice actimized, so you're not limited to Hey, you got to engage and nice optimize to change something. A lot of our solutions are configurable and changeable by the institution themselves that take this on. And we have many different facets within those solutions as well, such as behavioral analytics, machine learning, AI. All of that is used together to assist the institutions in detecting both fraud and AML risks. At an affordable price, as I say again, it's cloud-based. So it's easily expandable. It builds with, it grows with the institution. So if you have plans of growth in the next two or three or five years, the cloud-based solution is perfect to do that. That's amazing. Well, that's so much great information for credit unions. And I, I love the, the focus that you put on it being customizable by the actual financial institution itself without having to necessarily wait on, on a vendor to kind of make those changes for you. And I'm curious too, I know that there's been a focus at Nice Actimize on, uh, I think that the quote I heard was the need for speed, faster payments in a faster world. Can you tell me more about that and where that kind of payments lens kind of ties into everything that you're doing? Sure. So as we know, I have two phones I'm staring at right now and I love doing Venmo or Zelle, the other payment payment platforms that institutions offer. I need it now. It's so quick to, to require things, whether it be information or products from, say, an Amazon or someone. You want to purchase it now and make sure you get it by the end of today or tomorrow. So we've transitioned ourselves to this digital world, this real-time or near-real-time payments where it, it, was, it was evident before the p- pandemic, but I think the pandemic just escalated that, the requirements with the brick and mortar places being closed or being restrictions on individuals. They needed a different method to make payments or purchase products or interact with one another 
whether it be a P2P or business to business or consumer to business. So there's a lot of different things we bring in that digital, fast, real-time payment methods at night, that nice actomize. We listen to our customers. We learn from the user groups that we're part of to understand and, and get ahead of what may be coming on the fraud, the AML risk side. So those that require a solution that is going to help them in mitigating those risks, we, we certainly try to get ahead of the curve, as I said, and provide that technology for people to use. Because you know, in today's day and age, I think before the pandemic, we were looking at 50% of the individuals, the consumers are utilizing digital. After the post-pandemic, it's almost up to 60%. So, and that's over a year, year and a half. You can imagine how it's going to escalate with the millennials out there. I know my kids love the TikToks and things that be instantaneous. So, no one wants to go to the bank anymore and deposit a check or make a payment. They want everything to do on their phone or their laptop. So that is in and of itself where we both see the convenience and the risk side. Absolutely. And I, it's so interesting too, you know, as we see things like Venmo or Zelle, where a lot of times you've got the, the instant payment and credit unions really are held to that same standard of a fintech, or even you think about Amazon and Google and Facebook and your, your digital experience there, credit unions are held to that same standard by consumers, even though, you know, it's a totally different industry. But when we, when we experience something digitally, it's really interesting. And I'm curious, how does this all translate? from the work that you're doing, turns it into credit unions really staying competitive with those larger financial institutions. Absolutely. So with, I think with the credit unions and the smaller banks that, as we mentioned in the beginning, they may not have the resources available to push out certain products at the time or even have resources in the back end, whether it be technology side or investigator, investigators with that education they need to thwart what risk may come in over those digital platforms. So I think with the the education, just making sure that the credit unions understand the risk involved with rolling out something new, they need to stay competitive in order to keep up with, again, I, I hate to mention the JP Morgans or others who have abundant resources and the trained investigators that, hey, I want that JP Morgan on my resume rather than a local credit union. And you have great relationships with credit unions. They're small, mom and pop owned individual places that they truly give you that true bank and feel like you're an important person. So you're seeing people resonate towards the credit unions and asking for that same technology that that the Chases and JP Morgans may offer. So with that, you need to be able to provide a certain solution or education where they're going to be able to keep up or exceed those larger banks with absorbing the risk and understanding what they need to put in place to mitigate those risks. So I think with that, it's just resources and giving them the technology they need at an affordable price so they can mitigate the risks. It's such timely and relevant information, especially as you know the digital world is changing so, so rapidly. And you mentioned fraud a number of times here. Can you share a bit about how you can really partner with credit unions to help detect and prevent that real-time payments fraud that you're talking about? Absolutely. So with so at Nice Actimize, we have after our partnership with Guardian, we bring in real-time payment, the availability and the, the possibilities of monitoring not just digital payments, but checks, retail information, wires, ACH, ODFI, and RDFIs. It's a solution that you need 
to be able to provide real-time alerting where, hey, with these real-time payments, with a Zal or, or others, once the payments are made, you can't get them back. Where others may be slightly delayed within a day, we have a little more time. You need the technology to be able to really catch those at the, the beginning point. And with our technology, there's many different facets. We, we cover whether it be changing location since the last time you logged on to your mobile device, IP, IP address you use, the browser you're coming from. So anomaly detection is a major thing for us in behavioral analytics. So it looks at a customer's behavior over their duration with the institution. And our solution is able to bring that in and really understand where the anomalies are, where maybe someone's doing account takeover or a fraudulent activity on their account. Again, it runs across all of the omni channels within the institution if they plug them into the solution. So you get a holistic view of that customer, whether it be a consumer or a commercial uh, customer. So the, the solution is able to do that in near real time based on the, the, the paths that the information comes in. So it, it's amazing the technology today. You need that sort of behavioral learning, anomaly detection, and uh, AI base in order to get without the least amount of friction to your customers. Because you know if things are delayed too much, they're going to get frustrated. I know I would. You go to some other institution that may offer the same service, but at a quicker speed. With that speed, sometimes comes that elevated risk as well. So I think with our solution, to able to bring in all those different pieces, the behavioral analytics, the machine learning, and the AI, to really give you a true positive hit on a particular account without worrying about those false positives that you would have spent a lot of time on your investigators or analysts. There, there are so many great things about the solution that you all offer. It's so exciting to hear some really compelling opportunities for credit unions to be able to offer some of the the same exact services that bigger financial institutions offer and with the exact same amount of sort of risk mitigation. And as we look to the future too, I know the economy is on everyone's mind right now, but I'm curious, what are those maybe new trends that you're also seeing kind of emerging in financial services? And what would nice Actimize's focus really be for the road ahead? So I think uh, I'll do it. Uh, two prong here. I think we talk about the new challenges that that are ahead with the technology that comes out. It's staying ahead of the curve, staying ahead of the frosts, building in not just the behavioral analytics and the other pieces that's going to help you up identify and curve those particular risks, but bringing in other pieces in that solution, whether it be biometrics or other pieces that are really going to give you a better understanding, a true identification of your client. So these digital risks that are out there, because we know it's just going to compound itself with people being reliant on uh, digital platforms, mobile or a laptop. So with that, I think, but we can't forget about the old time things. We have, we've seen a lot of increase in check fraud as well. So, and it depends on the time of year. You need a solution that's going to be able to mitigate those risks year long. Check fraud we see as well. We see a lot of scams with the elderly, hey, I'm going to send a check to, to my nephew or grandson for the holidays or for a birthday. Francis are finding ways to utilize that to obtain those checks, whether it be through remote deposit capture or mailing. And then from there, the sky's the limit where they steal identities with that information, create new accounts. And that just 
a whole nother area. So I think it's on the digital side and the legacy side of paper checks and, and things such as that. So it is really, I think those are the two major areas that we look at, but you can never underestimate new trends that may come out with with these fraudsters that are out there because they're very educated. They work within different groups of one another. Maybe one gets the information, the other one creates a new account, another one may obtain the money from the account. So it's not just one group that you focus in on. It, it spans across the globe. Absolutely. I, it's so important. And I think to your point, you know, the, the trends are that fraud is evolving and the ways that we have to keep up are ever-changing. And so what a great opportunity for credit unions to really work with a, a vendor who is able to kind of stay on that cutting edge of, of fraud mitigation there. As we wrap up the show, I always like to have some fun with rapid fire questions to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. We like to say the questions are rapid, but your answers don't have to be. So if you are ready, I will dive right in. No, I'm a little nervous, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) First question should be a simple one. What's a recent purchase that you didn't know you needed that has become something you can't live without? It would certainly be something of the digital form. I think I'd recently purchased meta Oculus glasses. And I wasn't a big VR fan, whether it be gaming like my son does or just watching movies with these virtual glasses. But I purchased them on a whim and I love it. I watch series on them, whether it be on Netflix or Prime or Hulu, just engaging with others on these Oculus glasses that friends may be a world away, but it looks like they're right there with me having conversations and engaging in activities, whether it be sporty events. So I love the ability to really connect with people and the Oculus had had given me the ability to do that. That is awesome. I don't know that any other guests have answered answered those Oculus glasses. So that's that's a new one for us. Love it. When you hear the word success, who's the first person that comes to mind and why? I don't think one particular name comes to mind. I think it's a group of people. As we see the pandemic had, everybody struggles with the pandemic, whether it be the individual families or businesses, um, big or small, I think I have such a heart for the small business owners that maybe have struggled. And you see the sacrifices they have made day to day before the pandemic. But then the pandemic brought on new challenges with financial, personnel-wise, location-wise. I just have you know, a, a great amount of respect for them to to succeed and and continue their business day to day, even with the challenges that were put forth with them. Again, like I said, with the limitations and needing outdoor seating and and a variety of other areas. I think those are the ones I think in my mind are the most successful, having overcome a lot of those challenges. That is such a great point. There are so many, so many people who have just really kind of risen to the challenge. So love that answer. Random question then for you. What are you listening to most right now? So I love radio. I listen to my traditional Pearl Jam and those groups back in my era. I'm not going to date myself, but Pearl Jam and (laughs) others. But I think being in the car and being working from home in today's day and age, I I really got into podcasts, believe it or not. And being from a law enforcement background, I love the true crimes. I love a show called The Vanished or The Missing. They they follow the case of a missing person or individuals. They talk to families. They talk to law enforcement. They talk to witnesses. So it, it's great to really hear that. And again, these cases could be from the next town over. 
across the country or across the world. So it kind of keeps you connected. But I also like some humor. There's a, another show with some celebrities on it that has some incredible guests on it. They're just bantering back and forth between one another uh, as the host as well as the guest. So I think podcasts is really where I, I spend a lot of my time. Yeah, we'll link to those here for all of our listeners in case they want to check those out. Are there any books that you have gifted or you just think everyone should read? Oh, absolutely. There's one that certainly comes to mind and I have passed it on many times. I needed to put my name in the book to make sure it didn't find its way somewhere else without someone claiming it. Uh, it's called Killers of the Flower Moon. And if you haven't read it yet, it's a quick read, but it's very, it gets you deep into the understanding of a tribal group out of Osage, Oklahoma back in the 20s when they were relocated by the government and discovered that below their land was oil deposits. So then they started receiving um, payments on it for utilizing for the companies utilizing the land to pull the, the oil out. And it just goes through at that time in the 20s, that was the creation of the FBI. So Jay Gahuva was one of the main agents on it. He wasn't, of course, the director yet. So I recommend uh, Flower of the Kill- Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders and the Birth of the FBI. I could read it 20 times and I would never be bored of it. And I certainly recommend it to, to you and all the listeners out there. I think you'll get uh, um, some good education out of it. And they're going to make a movie out of it as well. I think they're still trying to figure out that the stars are going to be included in it, but I certainly recommend that you read that. All right. Well, I have not read it. I'll add it to my list here. So thanks for the recommendation. And we'll link to that in the show notes for all of our listeners. What would you say? So let's say the calendar's empty. What would you say you're going to be doing outside of work? So having three kids in their teens and early 20s between carpooling to sporting events or practices I try to spend a fair amount of time out in my backyard of my fire pit to kind of unwind and decompress and just separate myself from the day's work. I love looking at the stars at night um, and taking in the cold air. I'm from the Northeast, so I love doing that when there's snow on the ground, when it's snowing. So I would certainly go out there and enjoy a nice cigar and maybe a drink to, to unwind and, and recharge myself for, for the next day. Awesome. I love that. Well, we're going to link to everything we talked about today in the show notes, books and podcasts, and hopefully a movie out of the book. Um, But my last question for you is, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share or final asks of our listeners today? Absolutely. I I think the main thing that anybody should, whether it be a consumer or a financial institution, is education. You need to stay educated on what's happening today to anticipate what may happen in the future. I think that is where we see some of the, the challenges when we come up against fraud. It's not whether it be the consumer not being educated enough or the investigator not being educated enough or even the front office people in a bank or credit union not being educated enough to, to identify this. Could be AML or fraud risk. So I think education, reading, just keeping yourself up with the know in, in what is to come and the risk involved with utilizing as we talk about today, the real-time payment or the digital platforms in itself. Because with speed, there comes risk. So I think education, in my mind, is the, is the biggest thing that I think people should take away. 
Absolutely. Well, what a great way to wrap up the episode today. And and so much value, I think, in partnering with someone like Nice Actimize to, to really help keep that that fraud mitigation and, and evaluating risk kind of on the cutting edge of, of where the world is trending. So Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to link to your contact information that of your team so that anybody who is listening today can reach out if they're interested in more information. In the meantime, I hope that you stay well. Thanks again for being on the show. Thanks to all of our listeners today for tuning into the CU Insight Network podcast. And we will be back again next time.